This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at trevorjamesflutes.com. Hello there, and welcome this week to Talking Flutes. I think it's a Talking Flutes, isn't it, Claire? It's definitely a Talking Flutes. Yeah, it's a Talking Flutes, and I'm down in Hove. Talking Flutes, welcome, everybody. And I'm down in Hove again. After how long, Claire? I, you know, it's a long, long time. Must be a, must be about 18 months. We've only been talking on Zoom. Crikey, 18 months since we did one in your beautiful house here in Hove near Brighton. Now, Hove is the posh part. We've already spoken about that. And it's wonderful to be down here on a cloudy day. Yeah, we've just had a, a bit of a, a sort of a heat wave, haven't we? And it's a little bit cooler today, which is just as well. And I turned up in shorts, just in case. <laughs> right, it's, it's actually wonderful to come back. It's been, how have, you, how have you coped with the last 18 months? Well, it's been a mixture of emotions, really. I, at the, the the very first lockdown, I found it quite sort of, in a way, therapeutic in that we were restrained and restricted in what we were doing. And I found myself to be actually more productive, not less productive, but because of the nature of our work. I mean, I, I wrote two books. I did a, a lot of research into things. And um, there was a calmness about everything um, because life has always been so busy. So the, the lockdown created a calmness, a time for reflection, and sort of opened up a world of creativity. So for that, I'm very grateful. But it has been the most dreadful time for so, so many people. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we could, we could talk about lockdown for, for ages, and we've all had very different experiences. But the main reason I'm down here is because I put out on social media... Actually, no, it's not the main reason. The main reason to come down is I'm actually allowed to come down now. I'm allowed to come into other people's houses. And drink my coffee. And drink your... Well, the, the most important thing is <laughs> drinking the coffee, obviously, is that I put out on social media and that I was coming down to meet you to do some podcasts. And we've got quite a few interesting questions to cover over the next few weeks. So the, rather than doing it over Zoom, I've decided to come down and do it in person. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me, I, I have a frog in my throat this morning that the, co- the coffee hasn't so- sorted yet. And really, there's lots of different questions come from ve- people in various stages of their flute playing. And some, I think, are easier than others to cover. And some are not necessarily easy to cover in a podcast. But um, should we give them a go, Claire? We'll give it a go, oh. yeah. Are we going to go down in order, or should we go down? Are you going to pick them separately? Um, oh, oh! I hadn't even thought that far. I'll, I'll let I'll let you lead the way. <laughs> right. Okay. Let's let's go with number one. And th- there is a th- there there is an adjunct to this. Is that the question seems quite simple, and we get it coming up quite a lot. Is how do you double and triple tongue on the flute now? We've spoken about this in the past, and you've always been loath to put a simplistic way of double and triple tonguing, because I'm using your words from what you said to me, is that there isn't one right way to do it, because depending on which piece you're playing, you will use a different technique, a different vowel or consonant sound to accentuate certain parts of that, the tonguing. 
And so you've always been very loathed, and I don't know if that's the right word, but very reluctant to do a very short question answer on double and triple tonguing. But it's come up again. So should we give it as simplistic an answer as possible? Well, I'll try my best. I mean, it is difficult because everyone has a different way of, of articulating. And of course, it depends on your nationality as well mm-hmm. and, and language. So basically, the success of double or triple tonguing, it depends a great deal on the clarity and the speed of your single tonguing. So that's the first place to look. If your single tonguing isn't good, isn't very good, then your double and your triple tonguing will not be good. So first we'll work on your single tonguing to get uh, clarity and speed. It's one of successful articulation is is a key component of successful flute playing. In almost all the tutor books you will ever find, the articulation exercises come after your tone and finger technique because your articulation is only as good as your tone production and your finger control. So uh, it's dependent on, double tongue is dependent on your quality of a single tonguing, so make sure you put practice time into that. And then I suppose there are, there are some key areas that you need to look at uh, for double tonguing. Well, I'm for single tonguing as well, I suppose. Number one, air speed. Now, it's when we get deflected by the thoughts of how to double tongue or how to single tongue or triple, sometimes we forget to blow. So the more action that's going on inside your mouth, then the more the airstream is deflected. And so we get less sound. So as you articulate faster, make sure that you keep the airspeed going. So you need more airspeed the more the, the faster your articulation is. Then, the syllables you use, which you, you touched upon, JP. I suppose if you think about single tongue, there are so many different syllables. T, ta, te, ti, to, to, it's probably a few more. Um, or it could be uh, d, da, de, di, do, do. With more of a t sound, the tongue is your tongue is more at the front of the mouth at the tip of the tongue, and with d it's slightly further back, so it's a softer syllable, and certainly in single tonguing, far more legato. And there's also the addition of th, where the tongue is forward between the lips, so th, and and if you're doing double tonguing, k, so it could be th k. So you've got for the second syllable, you've got. K, ka, ke, ki, ko, ku, or g, ga, gi, go, gu. I mean, you know, you can just keep going. So double tonguing could be t, k, d, g, thu, ka. You know, it's all the variations. So for each of us, we have to find syllables that create the resulting effect that you want, which is generally clarity, speed, and the flexibility. You know, with some articulations, you feel that you can, it just flows, and other ones, you feel that you, your, your tongue gets stuck. So, key areas then, airspeed, the syllables used, the speed and flexibility of your tongue, and the coordination of your fingers and tongue. It's, it's quite interesting that um, in my teaching, I've often, in the past, come across students who say, I can't double tongue. And they play you something. And you hear very clearly, you hear the articulation really clearly, but there's no sound. So they've just forgotten to blow. So, 
you know, it's not always, if the, if the resulting effect isn't working, it's not necessarily to do with how you're doing the double or the triple tonguing, it's to do with how you're producing the sound. So that's maybe something that you can, you can look at. Do I keep going here, John Paul? What do you think? Um, <laughs> I, th- I think you've, you've explained it very well, and the complexities, um, certainly coming from your angle, and of only working with sort of the top class students and obviously professionals as well. For me, I learned it as tukka 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 tukka, and then quickly realised, and it was I think it was Jim Dower actually, bless him, who told me that I need to explore dugga dugga dugga. Certainly when it comes to bark, because the tukka tukka was just too sort of tight and too sort of crispy. Yeah. Um, but even but you you're right with dugga dugga you, you can. And tukka tukka, you have lengths of that d or the t, which will then which will then determine how the piece is actually heard by others. So it is a nightmare subject to come into, isn't it? It is, and also one of the the, the key things here is that you can't see inside someone's mouth. So you could say to someone, for example, your articulation isn't very clear. Uh, where are you tonguing? And someone could say, let's say, take single tongue. We often say that you need to tongue forward in your mouth, which creates more clarity and better coordination than back in your mouth. So you could think, well, what I'm hearing from the student is that it sounds like they're tonguing in the back of the mouth. So you say, where are you tonguing? And they say, oh, at the front, but you don't know. So <laughs> yes. it's, it's um, because we can't see inside someone's mouth, you need to develop a sense of feel. So feel where your tongue connects with the roof of your mouth or your teeth or your gums and what part of the tongue is used, what syllables are you using and how far does your tongue move in the action of articulation. Now, I've written about it both single, double and double tongue in my Flute Reboot book and there are lots of articulation books on the, on the market. It's trial and error. I, I remember the first articulation book I ever bought was Marcel Moyes's articulation book. Mm-hmm. And there was no explanation in it whatsoever. And I think by about page three, or p- even page two, you're doing double tonguing. And I thought, what's happened to single tonguing? But all the exercises of the book are very good. If you, but if you need actual information, then this is the day of Google is your friend. So Google the information, and then it just it needs the practice. You've just got to put the practice in. But start with the single tonguing. If your single tongue is not good, your double and your triple won't be good. And when it comes to single tongue, in just to confirm that it's not just ta 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 ta, is it? It's da 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 da. And should we be practicing ga 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 using the G or just the ta and the da? Well, it's interesting that I I remember again a year in master classes where I've forgotten who was who was saying what, but somebody said practice tucker tucker, but not dugga dugga. Somebody else was saying, always practice the, the g or the k on its own. Then the other person was saying, never do that. And the one I remember very clearly, I mean, I was certainly taught you never practice double tonguing slowly. And yet I remember doing a masterclass with William Bennett and my articulation was not as clear as it should be. And so we, we looked into double tonguing and he started me with an exercise doing very, very slow or and then building it up there was a a thought that the k was a reflex of t so you can't practice a reflex slowly so that's why i'd always practice it fast but in fact when you practice it slowly 
you can control the movement better and you can gradually start to get it faster. So so you can gradually it gradually goes faster. So I'm all for starting slowly and building up the speed and you build up your confidence as well as the clarity. Yeah, I think that answers it perfectly. Good. Which leads us on to another question, and it's not, I don't think it's one we can actually answer, but um, why do brass players triple tongue differently than flute players? Now, I actually didn't know they did. Until, no, I've uh, no idea. Uh, but apparently, <laughs> and I'm, I'm only looking at some of the brass players that I've spoken to, they practice their drip, they, well, they practice, they utilise triple tonguing in the da da ka or the tuk ta ta ka So ta ta ka or da da ka Yep. And we don't do that, do we? We do some slight variations. I mean, the traditional triple tongue on the flute is tukka ta tukka ta or dukka da. But some people do double tonguing but grouped in threes. Tukka ta ka ta ka ta ka ta. Yeah? Which for me is a tongue tongue twister, which I can't do it very fast. But I know some people who are very effective at doing. Double tonguing, but grouped in threes. Oh, that's quite hard, isn't it? It's like a brain tease. You have to, but once you've got it, it works. But we're all different. You've got to find a way that suits you. There's no right or wrong way because we always have to go with the resulting effect. Does your articulation sound good? Then you're doing it right. If it doesn't sound good. Try something else. It is a nightmare, isn't it, if you're talking about articulation? Well, not really. It's just that we're talking about it in a very abstract way without someone standing here doing what we're talking about. And so that, make, that in itself makes it difficult. So I recommend that if you can, record yourselves and try different ways and try and assess what, what differences you're hearing. But... Try different syllables. Different syllables is a really good way of changing the, the clarity of your articulation. And ultimately, if you're double-tonguing, the second note should be equal to the first note in, in yes. how it sounds. Well, that's, that's we, but I haven't talked about that bit. That's a really good point, JP. K or G is further back in the mouth. So when you think about it, it's the air has further to travel. So with the or the g, you almost have to throw it out. So to k, push the air out a little bit more with the k or the g, which is why when you play it slowly, you could really hear. Otherwise, you sort of get a to k, to k, see with the delay. So you've got to coordinate the k with the with the t. And the piece you're playing again, if you're playing a t or a k. It may not necessarily be right for the music. You may need to go to a duh and a guh because yeah. it's slightly longer. Absolutely. You have to assess depending on what it is that you're playing. So remember, the, the tucker comes out, as you can hear, it's crisper and shorter, maybe more staccato. Whereas it's more legato and longer. Got you. And then obviously just with the triple tongue in, Taking the what you've said about double tonguing, tuck or or the one which 
I think it's a bit like playing an open G sharp flute, isn't it? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But which is double tonguing, but that's going to drive my brain mad. <laughs> you know, if you like in all all things, really, if you practice all variations, you get much better at yeah. the one way. It's it's you know, lots of variation in your practice helps you develop much more quickly. Gotcha. Thank you on that, Claire. And uh, you know, I, I am naughty. I haven't written down who's actually sent these in or from which social media channel oh, you they've come. You no, which is a bit naughty. Um, I did quite mention. I did mention the open G sharp flute. Then um, the only reason is is that I know articulation drives some people mad. That and I think uh, the open G sharp flute is another one that we we touched on briefly a couple of weeks ago with the technical director Dave Farley. And I know you're an aficionado of the open G sharp. Having played the one that David has um, designed, I, I still have to say it drives me, even though it is completely natural that every descending note, you'd only put one finger down. When you play G, in effect, you're playing the modern day G sharp. And then the G sharp, you're playing the modern day G. It just, it drives me crackers. Yeah, well, it, 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 I mean, it would do, it, it would do for anybody, but crackers only for a few seconds because... You, you soon learn to get used to it. I mean, it's the original Bohm system, the open G sharp flute. So as you go, as you put fingers down, the notes go down. So you just put one finger down at a time, and as you go up, you take fingers up. So it's very logical. And it means all the keys are sprung open in an even way. So you feel that your, your technique is more even, more consistent. So in fact, the only closed hole is the D sharp key. So it's, it's uh, logical, more consistent, and more equal across, across the flute. For me, in terms of changing, I, I only changed, I changed when I was at college in my second year because Wibb had sent a flute up to Manchester because someone was interested in buying one of his flutes and he plays open G sharp. And the person then had decided they didn't want to change flutes. And I just picked it up and tried it. And it was the most glorious flute I'd ever tried. I mean, I had a, a pretty duff flute at that time um can't remember what it was and i couldn't put this flute down this whips flute down i mean it was just had this amazing sound and i just thought i've fallen in love with this flute i can't let it go i had no money so i i remember ringing up everyone i knew saying can you lend me some money and my landlord i think i had mentioned this maybe in a previous podcast my landlord actually overheard me and said do you want to borrow some money Yes, please. <laughs> so, and I bought this flute, and I've never regretted it. In fact, the day after I first picked it up, I had to play in a, in a master class at college. Um, I was playing Schubert Variations. And I actually did get through it. I was obviously totally focused, because it's enough to do your head in. I had a recital, I think, two or three days later, and I also played the flute in that. But it was, a much easy, it was an easy programme. So I felt that I could get around it uh, at the new system quite quickly but then I remember when I was teaching watching my students playing closed G sharp I would revert in my head and then suddenly I would have to rethink Mm -hmm. and I remember doing a a class a year later for WIB with Prokofiev first movement and I suddenly couldn't get to top D and I, I just couldn't remember the fingering I couldn't remember the original and I couldn't remember the new one uh, it just completely went out of my head. So I think that was unusual, but I've never regretted changing the system. 
But it was a. Uh, you were quite mischievous though with our technical director David saying it'd be really good to have an affordable open G sharp flute. Well, I was being totally truthful, and luckily he <laughs> took it on board, and he's developed this wonderful open, TJ open G sharp flute, which is going to re- retail at very very little money. It's affordable for all. Yeah, I think that was the aim, rather than because to get an open G sharp now the flute makers. Uh, you can't really have it on, on handmade flutes and it's expensive so if people want to experiment or uh, want to have one with an open G sharp and there, I know there's some teachers that would actually like to teach on open G sharp flute I remember Liz uh, Walker plays open G sharp doesn't yes. she they're not as rare as I thought they are they're not there's so many principal flute players principal piccolo players who play open G sharp so that says something when Bohm first brought the system to France and England the players at that time loved the flute but didn't like the fact they had to change the fingering of the G and the G sharp. So they changed that bit around. So, of course, those flutes now need things like split E's and other gizmos to, to stop the, the top E's and F splitting, whereas the original Bohm system doesn't need it. You have no problem in that third octave. So from driving the brain crackers on articulation, double-tonguing, triple-tonguing, which is the best way or not the best way to do it, through to open G sharp... It's enough to drive anyone to coffee, Claire, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for listening this week to... Uh, it, it is a talking flute, isn't it? It's a talking flute, and we love having the questions, so please send them in. It gives us a chance to meet up and chat and drink coffee, and um, I hope that it, it helps you in your, in your practice. We'll be back again next week because we're actually going to sit here and record next week's as well because we've got so many questions so to get many through. Questions. Uh, So we look forward to speaking to you next week. Have a great week, everybody, and see you then. Bye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.